Hi, thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Nicole. And I'm your host, Jacqueline. You're listening to the first season of Perfectionist. So I think today what we're going to do for this heavy spoilers discussion is rather than going through, you know, like the plot like we normally do, I think we're just going to talk about some very interesting points. And we're just going to go ahead and assume like you've read the book at this point. This is like a pretty long book. So I think that if we did do the plot points, like how we did for um, the Throne of Glass series, it would probably have to be cut up into several episodes. So we're just going to like touch on the most interesting stuff and maybe talk about a few theories and things like that. Mm -hmm. And the book in question, as you probably will know by the title of the video or episode you're listening to is Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros. And it is the second book in the Empyrean series. So speaking of the title of the book being Iron Flame, I think that there's like a double meaning behind Iron Flame. And the first one, like the first, I don't know, very early on in the book, we find out that Violet Squad is like considered the iron squad because they have the most surviving people and we also know that they're in the flame section so immediately my thought was like oh iron flame they're the iron squad in the flame section I was like oh clever every time she names a book she also like kind of describes her like standing Violet standing within the college because like fourth wing she was placed in fourth wing iron flame blah 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 and I was like oh so like maybe the titles of the book kind of give us an idea of sort of like Violet standing and then later on in the book we find out something completely different about the title yeah oh that's kind of cool like the little dual meanings there (laughs) If I was her and I came up with that idea for my book, I'd be like, it is genius. Yeah, <laughs> it works in like more so ways stoked. than one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it when things have more than one meaning or like can be seen in more than one way. Yeah, totally. Me too. At what point did you kind of just like realize that the mistranslation of flame being like she, because originally she thought it was rain and then Dane's like, no, that actually means flame. Did you put that together right away or no. did it take you? No. I, <laughs> I had to like, wait for Rebecca to spell it out for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's nice that she gives like, and this is um something that's pretty consistent. I feel is she'll give hints on things that are pretty small. And I think you really need to be paying attention to pick up on some of them. Yeah. But then eventually she will kind of put the pieces together. So you're not confused forever. So if you don't like, if you're not like a super detective, then it's not like you're left in the dark being like, yeah, what what was that? (laughs) I know when, when it was actually spelled out, I was like, duh. (laughs) (laughs) I felt so stupid. I actually went back like and looked and I was like, Oh, I just wasn't, I don't know, paying attention or whatever, but I love the way it came together and, mm-hmm. and that was cool. Yeah, no, it, it kind of made like made the meeting even more powerful when you mm-hmm. realize that it has to do with like the wards and everything. So yeah, I definitely thought sure. that was really cool and like just really shocking because I already had thought I had figured out the title and I was like, oh, wait, of course, there's always something more. Yeah, I loved it. So... Zayden and Violet's relationship. Let's just talk about 
it right now. We won't yes, jump to the end is. just yet, but yeah. It's a very uh, controversial. <laughs> they spend a I, lot of time fighting in this story. Mm-hmm. They do spend a lot of time fighting in this story. And I I don't hate it. I know lots of people do. I know lots of people are like, like that's kind of the, the thing about this book that they absolutely despise. And we're like, either couldn't finish it or we're like, I'm not going to continue the series. And lots of people seem to mention the state of the relationship but like this book only takes course over four months. Mm-hmm. And I have to believe that if I was lied to that severely and continued to be lied to over and over and over again, that I would be having the same fight for four or six months, however long it's been in the story. I'm like, I think that is perfectly reasonable that they have not worked through this yet. I think it's reasonable too. I did find it a little bit tiresome towards the end. I was kind of starting to feel tired of all the arguing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming a lot of the rest of the fandom was starting to feel that argument fatigue as well. But like, like I don't disagree with the fact that they were arguing. I completely get it. <laughs> like Violet mm-hmm. has every right to be very angry and I think if it wasn't for the fact that their dragons were like bonded and mated it would be like a simple breakup situation could happen but the fact that their dragons are like bonded and mated they're constantly being thrown together and they have that connection that extra connection so Mm -hmm. it's sort of like something they can't exactly get out of I feel so. Yeah, and I do feel like they it's more than just the dragons in the sense that they seem very connected to each other. Like she refers to him, like Violet refers to Zayden as being her gravity so mm-hmm. often. Like he is the center of everything. She is pulled to him in a way that she can't fight. And I yeah. feel like there's more to, like, it's not a normal relationship. There is something else going on between them. And yeah. they're like, they, they can't get away from each other, even if they wanted to. The way it's described is very faded mate vibes. Like it's like, and it kind of reminds me of, um, oh, can't say it because that'll spoil something for you. But it reminds me of like the (laughs) idea of faded mates being um, faded for each other. They -hmm. can't escape that whether they want it or not, Mm -hmm. you know, and obviously they both want to be together but there's this big insurmountable challenge of the constant deceptions and stuff like that. It's a pretty serious problem. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think kind of speaking to like how they can't get away from it, even if they wanted to, I think that kind of brings up this idea of like, is this relationship a toxic relationship? And I, and lots of people are saying like, this is a glorification of a toxic relationship. And I feel like there's a few things to remember as readers. And the first is, this is not a relationship guide. No one is telling you that this is the type of relationship you should strive to have. This is a mm-hmm. fantasy book written for your entertainment. So I think yeah. people kind of um, get caught up. If all books didn't do something controversial or interesting, if all relationships were super uh, healthy and essentially peaceful and boring we wouldn't be interested in reading about them 
So I think mm-hmm. that that is a ridiculous, an absolutely <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> criticism. Um, like, obviously, it's toxic. Like, it's just ridiculous. It's fiction. It's fantasy. And mm-hmm. it wouldn't be interesting if there wasn't something controversial about it. Yeah. Thank you. Very well put. And it's like straight up acknowledged in the book. No one's trying to hide this from anybody. Like Mira straight up says, your relationship is toxic. And Violet's not like, oh, no, it's not. Like, it's just like, yeah. Yeah. And and it's, I'm not perpetuating that I think it's a something that it should be modeled after <laughs> any relationship. No, no way. It's, it's horrible. It's toxic. But that's what makes it interesting to read about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on. There's a difference between Jeez. enjoying somebody else living a you know certain lifestyle knowing that it is made up fantasy versus Mm. what you would like wish upon like I would be right there with Mira if my sister was in a relationship that looked like that I'd be like girl this is toxic you need to get out yeah totally this isn't real life and I do appreciate that it is acknowledged not only by Mira but by Zayden and Violet like at one point Violet's like there's a thin line between devotion and obsession and she goes on and like names a whole bunch of other things saying like this relationship is like such a fine line and we often cross it Mm -hmm. and like both of them acknowledge that like that it is not necessarily healthy the way that they Uh, are infatuated mentioning like how you said the line that they're often crossing that is what makes it an interesting relationship to read about you know if they Mm -hmm. had like I said like a peaceful healthy relationship every time their interactions came up I'd be like skipping through and so would many other people and that is mm-hmm. you know like I say they're arguing are arguing <laughs> they're arguing <laughs> their argumentative tendencies started to wear on me towards the end of the book I think because you kind of want to start to see some kind of resolution let's move on to a different problem mm-hmm. I think the fact that I... we were hammering on about the same thing over and over and over again. It was getting tiresome for me personally. Mm-hmm. I 100% agreed. In my notes, the very last time they kind of had a major argument before like so the end battle, I was like, this is the first time I feel as though I'm over this conversation. Like mm-hmm. I get why they're still having it. Like I mentioned earlier, like realistically, this conversation would be had with a couple going through this multiple mm-hmm. times over the course, like a long course of time. However, as a reader, I was like, okay, I am done with this now. I do hope that it's, we move on to something different. I hope that this dynamic doesn't continue into the next book. I wasn't mad about it here, but I am ready to move on to something different now. Don't think it can, considering how the book ended. They have bigger problems now. <laughs> yes, they certainly <laughs> do. <laughs> One last thing about their relationship. I saw a lot of people super, super upset about Zayden's whole ask me anything. Like, I will tell you any answer, but you need to ask the right question. And yes, I can see how that would be incredibly frustrating. It's like, I shouldn't have to find the right question in order for you to answer it. However, I do think this has to do, perhaps, this is like a theory, uh, to do with his second signet that we find out about. And I wonder if it's sort of a level of consent, like, because he knows what she wants him to say, because he can tell her intention. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if he just doesn't want to take away her right to be able to ask him to to share information. Because if he just like, if he wanted to, he could literally give her every answer he wanted to, because he knows what she wants. Mm 
but then he's not giving her the choice to ask for what she truly wants, if that makes sense. That completely makes sense. That's, uh, hmm, that puts a completely different spin on like my view of Zayden. <laughs> I like that actually. Yeah. Cause he just seems a lot like he's like very into consent. Yeah. Even with like their relationship at the beginning, like I won't kiss you until you ask me to. And like, for a very long time into the book, he literally would just stand there and wait until she voiced. And like eventually they got to a place where he knew like she was okay with it and they were more in a relationship again. But yeah, I don't know. I just think he's really big on giving her autonomy over what she truly wants happening to her or being told to her. Yeah, what information she's ready or not ready to hear. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you want to know something, but you're not ready. Yeah. I feel like she thinks she's ready to know everything, though. And I think that's what so fresh she's feeling so frustrated about. She's tired of having everything held back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think she's very conflicted. Because mm -hmm. in some in some like sentences or like some of her thoughts, she's like, I want to know it all. And then in others, she's like afraid of what the answer will mean. Totally. I totally Which agree. It's very fair. <laughs> yeah. So you know those little excerpts at the top of each chapter. Um, mm -hmm. I paid I special those. attention. Yes, special attention to them this time. Like, and I feel like I didn't do that in fourth wing, and now I'm mm -hmm. like, mm, those are pretty important, <laughs> and they are. They are super important. So important. Um, so Jessinia, is that how we're saying her name, Jessinia? That's how I say it in my head. Same. <laughs> So it's it says that the story of Iron Flame has been translated from Navarian into modern English. What do you think that means? Like, what do you think that tells us? I am so curious about that. I feel like that is telling us something very important. I think it means Jessenia survives all of this. Mm -hmm. And like... And that maybe no one else does. I don't know. I feel like it's very <laughs> damning. Like, it's very mm -hmm. concerning. It is very concerning. Yeah. It's a little eerie the way it, I don't know, maybe it's just the way I read it. But I was just like, this seems like we're in for a very devastating. I kind of like read it and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> but then mm -hmm. I, I wasn't too, I wasn't honestly too sure what to make of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find it interesting that it is her specifically who ends up writing about it. But then again, she was kind of she kind of took Violet's place as like the person who was going to work their way up to the top. So it does make sense that she would take on that role. Yeah, totally. But I think it's something to pay attention to in all the coming books is all those excerpts because they are mm -hmm. very, very telling Oh, absolutely. So in this book, we end up getting our Dame Redemption, oh, Redemption arc. <laughs> yeah. And I was a little surprised because I thought it would happen. I didn't think it would happen this fast. Like he- I thought he was going to just like sink completely into the like, rules are rules, Violet, and we cannot <laughs> like, yeah. but no, he's- Well, I feel like he still is- rules are rules in some ways like the whole reason he refused to read her mind 
the first time that Barish asked was Mm -hmm. because it was against the rules. He's like, no, you're in the middle of doing a interrogation that is like laid out from the school. This You aren't like personally interrogating her. This is part of a class and this is not part of the class. You can't just bring me in here. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, okay, like at that point, I was like, okay, he's still same old Dane. Yay. I thought he was like looking for a reason not to. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think looking back on it, you can kind of see like, okay, like he's not the person maybe we think he is or like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's hard to say because like at first I liked him and then like, you know, it's been a bit of a roller coaster with his character. And then just like everyone just absolutely hated him because he was the worst. But apparently he didn't (laughs) like the whole like I'll miss you thing was it was implied that he knew that his dad was sending her to her death essentially. And he said no. after, yeah. Yeah, and then so, therefore that's what the readers thought. But it, it like turns out he was actually saying like, "I'll miss you because I know our friendship can never be the same since you chose Zayden." Mm-hmm. I was like, "That is heartbreaking." Hmm. Um. <sighs> <sighs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts? I feel like they're brewing. Yeah, I I I'm actually really happy with his arc. I'm pleasantly surprised because I thought that he was going to be come like one of Violet's um villains, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm very pleased that he chose the correct side when it comes to the morals. I'm very pleased he didn't know his dad's plans. Um, because it definitely looked like he was Mr evil, I'll do anything leadership tells me to do person. Mm-hmm. But he's not really. And yeah, yeah he, he is very um, rule bound, right? But he's yeah. he's definitely got a moral compass. And that is a pleasant surprise. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I'm Wondering with now how things have turned out with Zayden, if Violet and Dane are going to become closer or if it'll again, something will happen for them to go like this. Because I think given uh, how Violet feels towards Zayden, regardless of whether he's a Venon or not, um, I wonder if it's going to become one of those things where it's like we need to get rid of him because he's a Venon from Dane and Violet's Mm -hmm. like, no. Like, maybe we can save him or something, you know? Yeah. No, it'll be interesting to see how each of the characters react to that information. Mm -hmm. And one thing about, like, Dane's character as well, like, just speaking to, like you said, his moral compass, is the fact that no one wanted him to go with them. Like, everyone's kind of still like, dude, we hate you. We Mm -hmm. are not forgiving you for what you did, even though you, like, ended up saving Violet and stuff like that. Like, they still aren't all chummy with him. And he's, like, the leader of their wing, and no one ever listens to him. (laughs) He's like, do this. And Rhiannon's like, no. (laughs) I know. It's actually actually kind of – I actually find that irksome for him because he is the wing leader. Yeah. And he has, like, absolutely no respect from anybody. But he still still goes. He still tries. He still helps every time they ask. And I'm like, that shows so much integrity that – even when people are like still kind of kicking you that you're still willing to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll pay my dues to earn your respect back. Mm-hmm. I know he's growing on me. 
Mm -hmm. I know. I'm like, oh, I, I don't, I don't dislike him anymore. What is this feeling? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm excited to see how he continues to progress as a character. Me too. So then there's a uh, Miss Cat Catriona, and mm -hmm. um, you know, so we do discover that you know her and Zayden were pretty serious. Um. She hates Violet with a fiery passion. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts yeah. on this? I know that typically I hate when they pit girls against girls. I'm like, that is mm -hmm. a very, very outdated trope. Like, we don't need this. I don't mind it in this case for a few reasons. One, it's not the main female, like, relationship. Most of the female relationships in the story are much more positive relationships like Violet and Rhiannon's relationship is amazing. Even Violet and Imogen are starting to get closer. Like all of the girls, if they are catty towards each other, it's because of like either a legitimate reason or like a competitive nature. It's not like this over a boy kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So the fact that Kat comes in and they have this very kind of roll your eyes, boy or girls fighting over a boy thing I am not as mad about it as I would be if that was like the main female interaction in a story. Yeah. So totally. I think for me, I'm okay. I think, I think it's, it, it added something different to the story and it added a tension that was kind of intriguing to read about. Yeah, I agree. And I do like that, like how eventually they do end up respecting each other because as soon as we find out that it's really not about girls fighting over a boy, it's about girls fighting over power. All, like it Zayden is. really ultimately like Zayden is not well. Violet is fighting for Zayden because Violet loves Zayden, but Cat could give two flips if it's Zayden. Mm -hmm. He just happens to be the person who's kind of like he. Well, he's the Duke. Of yeah, he's he's that like nobility, right? Mm -hmm. And so and those so, two joining is like a power move. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, you can get mad that it's like girls fighting over a boy. But like when you really, really look at it, it's not. It's about not a really. girl fighting for it's, power. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah. she's kind of a badass in a way. Yeah, she is. So, I like her character and I do like that they are learning to respect each other as professional fighters. Yes. <laughs> I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. They are starting to. So one part of the story that I just absolutely adored was anything to do with like drag the dragons and Andarna. Like I love when the Violet is talking to either of her dragons and just like the interaction between humans and dragons in general. And we find out some more things about the dragons, which is really cool because I love any little snippet, like where we learn more and more about their world because they are so secretive. And we learn that their color comes from their lineage, but their tail comes from their, like what they need, kind of like a rider's signet. And I thought that was really cool. But yeah, that, that kind is of connection. super cool. And I couldn't remember if we knew what tail type Andarna was or if her tail hasn't changed yet. I was like, I don't remember hearing anything about her tail. Well, yeah, she must not, because she's not a feather tail anymore. Unless right? they don't lose their feather tail, because she's still an adolescent, so she's not an yeah. adult dragon. So maybe she is still a feather tail until she becomes a, an adult dragon. Hmm. 
I just, I don't remember hearing anything about her tail. No. I don't know if it's just a detail I missed or not. No, I don't remember either. Hmm. But I think that her little attitude just adds like, because this is, it's a book about war. It's not a funny subject. Like this is a very serious subject. And then on top of that, we have all these like really intense relationships happening. And then we have Andarna just being her little like. Little comic relief. Hilarious self. <laughs> and she's not so even trying snarky. to be funny. She's like oh, just in like, such a bad mood all the time. We do not eat our allies. <laughs> Taryn's always in the background, like stopping her from trying to like kill all the sheep and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, and kill all the griffins and yeah. kill anything. And yeah. Then, like, at one point, she like saves Violet by consuming somebody, and Taryn's mm-hmm. just like, "Did you eat him?" <laughs> like, Andarna, stop eating everything. <laughs> so funny oh goodness but she's i feel really i feel sad for her though because she didn't develop that muscle she needs to be able to carry a rider yeah i don't know if they've told her that yeah i think she thinks she'll work up to it Mm -hmm. which at least she's flying now and maybe i mean they they don't know anything about her because we also find out that she is not a black dragon as her scales would indicate she just happens to want to be like Taryn, so she dresses she's herself a, in black so scales. She, I have some a few notes about this. So she's obviously the seventh breed of dragon that they didn't know mm-hmm. existed, basically, right? Yeah. So, like, what breed is this? So it's so cool because she can, like, the way that they describe or that the her scales were described, like how she can like change color or blend into rock and stuff. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, she obviously a very, very powerful species, maybe like a slightly superior species to the others, especially considering she was the key to the ward system and everything. And the fact that her egg was intentionally left in the um, hatching grounds Mm -hmm. so that she could hatch at a very specific moment in time. So it's like her... Yeah, because she chose when to hatch. Mm -hmm. So the way that that was described, because she waited like what, like 650 years or something? Something crazy like that, yeah. And then she like heard about Violet essentially. And she's like, oh, that'll be Mm -hmm. my rider. And then she, or my my person, and then she chose to hatch. So like, what does that mean? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it almost sounded like the other dragons of her kind, like, left her there with this, like, role that she was supposed to play. And, like, Mm -hmm. then they flew off somewhere. And um, I'm wondering if they flew off to the Isles. Because the Isles keep being brought up. And I don't remember them in Fourth Wing. All of a sudden, there's these Isles. And they seem like a slightly more advanced culture. uh, Because they were still trading with meal and they like would trade mm. silks and stuff like that so yeah. they seem like and then they cut themselves off from navarre when navarre like did it's like well i can't remember what they called it but like when they combined and then put the wards up so my i feel like there's something going on there and i wonder if that has to do with one theory is that maybe that's where andarna's kind of family went mm. off to if if they're mm-hmm. not extinct maybe they're extinct but maybe they like escaped and went to um the aisles 
And then my second theory is that maybe the Isles has something to do with Zayden's mom. Okay. I'm sorry. I threw a lot at you there. No, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I was actually wondering about um, something else um, and Darna. So, because we don't know if Violet's going to get a second signet or if it's just going to be like her original signet, but like amplified because the signet depends on the rider, right? But Andarna mm-hmm. is special. And I'm just wondering if, I'm just starting to wonder if Andarna and her powers are somehow going to be the key in neutralizing or healing like the venom problem. Mm. Yeah. Um because they the signet is because they even ask and she even asks Andarna, will I get a second signet? And she's like, signets are based on you and your need. It's not so about So Violet me. needs Zayden to be cured from his mm-hmm. venom status. So I'm just wondering if somehow that's gonna translate. Yeah. And yeah. Anyway, it's kind of like a half-baked idea that I have sitting here, but I'm just like, hmm. Yeah, I wonder if like the Venon were thinking, oh, if we get him to turn, then she'll turn to be with him kind of thing. But then like the reverse will happen and then she'll like develop a signet to save him instead, them not like realizing that that could be a possibility. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just because I'm imagining like what if she's like calling down the lightning and it's like this massive thing, but instead of it being like lightning that's like burning everything, it's like lightning that's like going to the venom and then like reverting them back to humans or something. I don't know. Yeah, because we know that her pa- her, her ability isn't lightning wielding. Her ability is to wield pure power. Yeah. And she chooses to wield it, unbeknownst to herself, she chooses to wield it as lightning. Comes out as lightning, yeah. But it could come out as anything. At least that's what I believe it's implying, is that it doesn't have to be the form of lightning. So I feel like there is so much more to her power that is untapped. And then Mm -hmm. as the stories progress, we're going to see her do some like things that we can't even imagine because it's basically like raw magic. Exactly. It's giving Dorian. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's exactly what I was thinking. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So So I was like, like, well, then why couldn't it be? And if it's to the writer's need, well, she needs Zayden to be cured, right? Yeah. Uh, There's Mm -hmm. so much. I know. I am so excited to see how this, and like, there's so many books left. Oh, I know. Yeah. There's a lot that could happen. Let's talk about Soren Gales. Yes. All right. So Lilith, I have a question. Why? Mm -hmm. Like this was mentioned like specifically several times that she has like the bruised look under her eyes. And once I'd be like, well, she's just real tired and stressed. But they kept mentioning that. Did you have any Mm -hmm. thoughts about that? I honestly just thought she was just incredibly tired um, and just like stressed out knowing that her three children are on like the opposite side that she's kind of put herself on. But now that you mention that, like 
it was mentioned so many times. And like, usually when that happens, there's a deeper meaning. Um, yeah, I don't have any thoughts on it because I didn't really put the pieces together until you just like literally laid them for me. Um, <laughs> but yes, I agree that now that you're saying that it does seem suspicious and that maybe she was up to something. So another thing I have, I have, I have like all these like notes about General Sorengale. Okay. <laughs> so another thing I'm thinking about is, so Violet's hair. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also thinking about that excerpt about how General Sorengale was looking for a cure for the venom. Mm-hmm. So now I'm wondering, you know, if either she or their father, I'm thinking the father, if he became yeah. a venom, and if he, even if he's still alive. Yeah, because... I think as readers, we are told he had a heart attack, mm-hmm. but that's kind of all we know we don't about. know that. And they, like, and they don't talk about people after they've passed, or they're not supposed to. <laughs> I think everyone breaks that rule. But um, yeah, so we have very, very little information on like the state of how he passed kind of thing. So it, it, I think it's possible. Well, because I'm just thinking the venom so drain life, right? Mm-hmm. What if he was a venom? Or became a venom and accidentally was draining Lilith whilst she was pregnant because they talk about how she was in a fever. But what if she wasn't in a fever? What if that was just what they put out there and told everybody? Yeah. Because, you know, like, how can she like, so we find out that she like deeply, deeply loved her husband, right? Or loves yeah. her husband. And we, it is demonstrated very clearly that she will do anything to keep her children safe or those she loves safe. Mm-hmm. So I was my just own, kind of wondering. My only pause would be at the very end when she sacrifices herself, she's like, yeah. it's okay because I'll get to see him. Oh, right. Yeah. So he, maybe he is dead. But regardless of whether he's dead or not, if he was a venom mm-hmm. when she was pregnant, that would explain why uh, Violet's hair is drained because like, it seems like, Perhaps she was drained. Maybe that explains why she is like weaker and has the, you know, the disease that she has and stuff. Yeah. No, I I think that that is an interesting theory and it could definitely be, and we kind of speculated or like heard someone else's theory about that, but like it would definitely amp up that theory if the venom was Violet's father. That'd make it much more interesting. Yeah, or even um, General Sorengale, but I feel like how could she possibly hide that? If they don't feed from the earth at all, do they show any signs? I don't know if we have enough information on the venom to know like exactly how, because we know they have like the three, three or four different levels of venom. Yeah, there's like the like ones that have just turned kind of thing. And then you kind of get up and then like the sage is like, seems like the most powerful, but then the general is like the, actually the most powerful and they had never seen them. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how they get up in rank. I don't know if we have that information. And I don't know at what point they're, it sounds like when you're at the lowest level, you just start to get like that little red ring around your eye. Yeah. But that could be easily hidden. Like, cause I I don't even know how prominent it is. Exactly. 
I'm just wondering like if when they every time they feed on the ground, if it's sort of mm-hmm. similar to like, you know, the twilight vampires. You know what I mean? Like when they feed their irises turn whatever color depending on what they're eating. Do you know what I mean? Like I was just kind of yeah. thinking about that. So Oh, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I guess. So another thing I have, these are are just like notes I made while I was reading. They're pretty unhinged. So (laughs) like, I'm like, what if her mother was a Venon? Which, I don't know, it just feels like unlikely because you'd think leadership would notice something is wrong. (laughs) Like, Yeah, you'd think. But um, if she was, like, what if she inadvertently drained Violet when she was pregnant, hence the hair, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and because I'm just thinking, like, she was so strict and controlled all the time. Is that her personality, or does she need to maintain that type of control in order to control herself? <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, that's a good and point. It, and if she was a venom, does that make Violet part venom, or only mm-hmm. only just weaker? I like the idea that Violet's part venom through, like, birth. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. I'm just looking at my notes here. Got to skip through. Like I said, they're quite unhinged because <laughs> I was just cool. putting them down as I read was reading. I, then I realized why this might not work. <laughs> <laughs> I love how theories progress as you, like, read. You're like, what if this happens? And then, like, another event in the story happens. And you're like, oh, that won't work. But then this could work. Well, so Lilith's dragon remained bonded to her. And we know that when Zayden chose to do everything he needed to do in order to save Violet, right? He chose to mm-hmm. become a Venom. Um, Gale was like devastated yeah, by this choice. And I'm just, so Lilith is still bonded to her dragon. But yeah. if Lilith made... If if Lilith didn't like pursue the Venon lifestyle, <laughs> we could say, yeah. does does that mean that it makes it like her dragons like okay, like maybe they have this? We don't know like what her and her dragon talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Or like what their relationship was like. So it's just like all these question marks, and now she's gone. So it's like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I I wonder if like she'll have a journal or something that Violet will find in her office or I feel like we'll get more information about Lilith's backstory in some way yeah oh another thing I thought was interesting about Lilith was that she was giving everybody a choice when they were like deserting basically Mm -hmm. she gave them the choice and I thought that was very interesting yeah, I wonder if that was just more like she's not 100% like on board with this war. Like it's not what she like how the events have kind of unfolded isn't what she would have chosen. She just did everything at like every decision she made was what she thought was best for her children and to keep them safe. But then mm-hmm. it's like it's taken her down this path where she's like, I don't agree with this, what is going on, but I've made my bed. Mm-hmm. So I want other people to have the freedom to get out because like I don't even believe in what we're doing but now I'm here so that being said that she will do like everything for her children if that was what all of her motivations were then the fact that she pulled Violet out of going into the scribe 
quadrant mm-hmm. and thought that going into the dragon rider quadrant was like the safest option for her. Yeah. Says a lot about like what is going on in the scribe quadrant and like what dangers there could be there. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because they basically she knew that Violet would figure out the answer eventually. And that they, she would be killed in this scribe quadrant for knowing that. Or mm-hmm. for, not that she'd be killed for knowing it, because she eventually would have been told it, because she would have, she was training to become the head of the scribes and take over that position. So she would have been given that information, expecting to be okay with it. And her mom knew she would not never be okay with knowing that information, not doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. So she's like, if she's in the writer's quadrant, Maybe she also felt like I could be there with her because her mom is also a rider. Because then it's like, I can actually have eyes on her and be in the same general area as her. Mm-hmm. And plus she had that favor with Zayden. So she's mm-hmm. like, I can call in that favor and I know she'll be safe for the first year. Mm-hmm. I just really um, enjoyed that she turned out not to be evil. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was that was lovely. Completely not what I was expecting. <laughs> See, her name Lilith was totally a red uh, herring. <laughs> it was a red herring. I was bamboozled by the name. <laughs> Another cool thing about the Soaringales is we actually get all three siblings reunited. And... Um, it wasn't the most happiest of reunions at first, and they are doing their little bickering sibling thing throughout, but it was really nice to see them get to work together and bond in their own little way. Yes. I really, really, very- really was happy with Mira joining them. Yeah, me too. I was a little concerned, but no, mm-hmm. they all have very good moral compasses. I was very sad, though, that what you know brandon and his mom they never got to yeah even i think in the in the i was gonna say in the very very end when she was like sacrificing herself i think he finally was like oh okay she's not evil so it's like they, they had like a split second i think where they you know gazed into each other's eyes and felt the love so sad though it's yeah. so sad that they didn't really have a chance to properly yeah, reunite. Like resolve their differences. <laughs> mm-hmm. We don't often swear on this podcast or we, we try not to. But I have to say, every time I hear the word or the name Jack Barlow, it automatically forever and always will have the F word as his middle name. And it says it in the book several times. And I'm like... Every time his name came up, I just like inserted that in because it's like that is now his middle name. You cannot convince me otherwise. Okay. Him coming back was a big WTF moment for me. (laughs) The biggest. I was like jaw (laughs) to the floor. Yeah. It's like, no. (laughs) But But then he like saved Violet. So I thought, yeah. oh, maybe like when Nolan put him back together, he was like, let me just put you back together a little differently. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been nice. <laughs> right? <That's> n- <laughs> Unfortunately, not what happened. No. Yeah, it, was, 
it was so jaw dropping that he returned. And then all of a sudden he's like, got this like redemption arc of like, oh, maybe he came back and he like learned from his, you know, misdoings. And he's like, oh, I got a second chance at life. I'm not going to squander it. And I was like, this is a little fishy because at the very same time as Jack's little redemption arc was peeking up, so was Dane's. And I'm like, this is odd that the two people that were kind of like really disliked in the first novel are having these like redemption arcs at the same time. Mm -hmm. But it was like a little trickery because obviously Jack was like a freaking venom the whole time. Yes. Why did they bring him back to the school knowing he was a venom? I but don't did, understand. But did everybody? But did everybody know he was a venom though? So you think leadership that leadership like, knew he leadership was venom? So I think so. So what the heck is going on here? <laughs> like I understand them keeping him alive to try and cure him because like that was their goal. Was like, oh, we can use He's this the test subject. He was venom before he uh, was struck down by the tower. But he became venom. He became a venom when him and Violet had their combat fight. When they did their fight on the mats. Oh. He became venom just before that fight because he was trying to beat her. I don't remember. Maybe he does beat her. I don't remember. But yeah, that's when he became venom. So when he died, he was already a venom, or when he quote unquote died because he didn't die. And so I think they were like, this is an opportunity for us to use him as an experiment to see if we can cure or suppress the venom in him. So when he died, that's when they found out he was a venom? I don't know when leadership found out he was a venom. I just know he was a venom before that point. I just had a thought. But I have, we have to wait till we get to the venom section to talk about it. Okay. It, it is coming soon. But yeah, I just, I, I am baffled why they let him return to the school. I feel like they should have just kept him locked up in the healer's quadrant where he was being held. And then a lot of this, all these problems that we had would not have been there if they just kept him locked up. Because like, why would you release a known venom into your school? It doesn't make any sense. But then if they hadn't, we wouldn't have the, what I think is the twist ending of the book. Like, yes, there is the twist ending at the very end with Zayden. But like, I feel like I kind of saw that coming more. This, I absolutely did not see coming. Like you, you could have told me like, oh, there's this crazy thing that happens. And I would have been like, no, you're lying to me because this is so out of left field. But the fact that he ended up being like, Jack ended up being a venom, And then he ends up sacrificing his dragon to dampen the flame on the, the, the iron flame ball that was holding the wards together. It was just shocking beyond belief. Okay. So let's talk about Bade for a second, his dragon. Why? Mm -hmm. So, okay. Why were Bade's eyes milky? D is it because he was being like, why? Why? <laughs> like, why? Do you know why? Oh. I don't know why, sitting... but I wonder if it, yeah, I, I forgot about that detail. They but were they opaque. Do that... Yeah. I wonder if it had something to do with the fact that he was no longer in control and that Jack was now controlling him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's that kind, kind of, of what I was thinking. Something along those lines. But that's a good sign to note because then if we, if like that is what's happening, 
then they can kind of figure out who else is a venom by looking at their dragon's eyes and seeing mm-hmm. if other dragons are getting that. Yeah. Dragon mm-hmm. cataracts. Yeah. Poor dragons. Oh, jeez. I feel bad for them. It's like they trusted the humans. They bonded with them in order to like join forces so humans could help them survive. And now some of them are like turning their backs on them. I mean, like, yeah, the dragons are generally the worst. Yes, that is very true. (laughs) Um, But it also, um, do you remember when Nolan, when Violet finally sees Nolan and they have a conversation, he's like, mending souls is really tiring or something like that. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I wonder whose soul he's mending. Like, I didn't, I thought he meant it literally, but even so, like, wasn't I was like something's going on with him like there's going to be a big reveal revolving around this Nolan stuff um and yeah it was it was the venom soul like Jack's venom soul that he was trying to mend and I was like yeah so but that being said like does that now mean that Zayden's soul is broken oh yeah that I mean I guess that does give us another clue that it has to do with your soul when you become venom yeah so like okay so are the souls now fractured like does becoming a venom actually fracture your soul? It's not just like a physical thing. Yeah, because if it's like your soul is fractured, can you come back from that? Like, is that something that can be healed? Maybe by like, I don't know, some raw power. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if anything's going to heal a, a soul, raw power seems like the right source. Mm-hmm. No, there's a, the Jack storyline was incredible. I hated it so much that I loved it and I wouldn't change it, even though I would change everything about it. He's just a villain through and through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I see here it says, why did he save Violet? Well, he saved Violet because he's a Venon and the Venon want her, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that does make sense. But like at the time you're like, Oh, no, at the time, I guess it makes you think like, oh, maybe he really is good. And then he's all like, yeah. oh, you, you saved my life by dropping a tower on me. Therefore, now I'm saving yours. And she's like, it doesn't make sense. Like, I feel that's like that's why I, I just... was like, when they put him back together, they like put some niceness into him. <laughs> yeah, like I think it was definitely a situation where, like, as readers, we we're supposed to start to feel like, oh, maybe he. He's being changed in a good way, but like just to turn it all around and yeah, give us a whiplash. Yes. So let's talk about the venom now. Mm-hmm. So I looked up venom, and did you know that the definition of it is venom? It's the French word for venom. Oh, like poison. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they poison the land. They do. Kind of and in a sense. I just want to say that, like, Violet is a poison aficionado. <gasps> oh. Yes. So I think, I think just the fact that they're called Venom and the fact that Violet is so good with poisons, I just think that's, like, another hint that she's the key to solving the Venom problem. Yeah, because I mean, venom has anti venom. 
Exactly. So maybe there's anti-venom. I mean, they're already partway there. Yeah. Because they have concocted that serum that takes away like the bond. Mm -hmm. So it's like they're making strides. I mean, I hated that, Mm -hmm. but they are making strides that could lead to a a good outcome. Very, very interesting. I like that you put those pieces together. And I... Go ahead. I was, when I was reading about the Venon, I was like immediately like brought back to Vampire Academy. Have you seen that? No. It's like a book series. They turned it into a movie and then they did a TV show. And in, it's like obviously about vampires and there's different types of vampires, but then there's like the vampires that wanted more power. So they turned into Strigoi. And they're like the evil vampires. And it just very much reminded me, like the Venom give off Strigoi vibes very much because they're like the evil version of something. And they get oh, there I by see. like kind of like selling their soul in a way. So, wow. But you haven't seen it. So maybe someone I haven't. else out there will have. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'll forgive you. I just want to mention real quick, Taryn's previous writer, Nowlin. Mm-hmm. I know it was so I think it was Brennan. Yeah, so I think it was Brennan said that he was lost, but he didn't say he was dead. I'm just wondering mm-hmm. if he was turned into a venom. Maybe. I want how I wouldn't Taryn know if his rider was yeah. dead. So you would think that. But Taryn holds he back information. He does. But like, why would he bond? I guess he never meant to bond with uh, Violet. He only bonded with Violet because Violet saved Andarna. But yeah, I I am surprised that I like that theory. I'm just wondering how it would, how it would work logistically. Can dragons bond to more than one human? But maybe if he's a venom, it's like, I don't know. Well, maybe the bond was completely corrupted, right? Like, Ooh. just wondering. Oh, that would be interesting because we know that, like, Jack stayed bonded with his dragon, even though he kind of like broke the bond in a way, but he was still able to ride to his dra- like ride his dragon and talk to his dragon. Yeah, there's something wrong with Bade, though. Yeah, that's true. So maybe Taryn broke the bond knowing. Because like dragons like can maybe break the Maybe the dragons bond. can break the bond. Mm-hmm. But maybe um, Jack found a way to kind of like take control before his dragon could break the bond between them. But you would think there'd be, because we know that there are more venom out there. Because Jack implies that they're like walking around Navarre. Yep. like in and amongst people but that doesn't necessarily mean they're all riders they could be from different quadrants but you would think if there's ones from the riders quadrant that that either their dragons would unbond with them like break the bond i'm just wondering like if you're a venon if you become a venon and then the bond is broken will you survive because as a human you can't right right I'm guessing yes. You're thinking that if the bond is broken while you're a venom that you survive that 
heartbreaking bond. Yes, because Jack survived killing his dragon. Oh, right. Yeah. So maybe what he didn't have, maybe he didn't have the bond with Bade anymore. And that's why Bade's eyes were opaque. Maybe they were like dosing Bade with something. Oh, maybe. I definitely think there's more going on. There's more to that that with Bade Mm -hmm. and how that, how Jack like retained control over him for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see. The more we learn about anything to do with like any of the culture or the world, like the dragon world or poor Emil or like anything, I get so, like, so excited. And I'm wondering if they mentioned that one of the people, I think it was Salone, was fighting on the mats, had red-rimmed eyes. And I Ooh. thought nothing of it when reading it. But then thinking back, I'm like, oh, I wonder if that person's a Venom. Now I'm going to be like, in the next book, in a year or whenever it comes out, I'm going to be like, are you a Venom? Are you a Venom? Are you like, no one, I'm not going to trust anybody. Can you imagine if you've just been like crying and your eyes are red rimmed and everyone's like, you're a Venom killer. You're a Venom. <laughs> ah, I've just been crying. Yeah. <laughs> oh my oh, goodness. Oh man. Well, and that's the thing. Our people are going to start turning on each other. Like this brings like a whole nother level of tension. Well, we have to kind of wonder about Venon in general, because just because they're Venon doesn't necessarily mean they're all evil, right? The Venon we've run into are evil, but what if they're not all evil? Like, I mean, we've seen it lots in other books where vampires, which are evil, you think, there's lots of good (laughs) ones, right? You know, is it the same thing? Are we just seeing like the evil ones or what we're perce- perceiving to be evil? Or are we going to find something out about the humans that makes the humans seem evil towards the venom? Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. I feel like we, and we'll talk about it a bit more later, but like, I feel like we're learning a lot more about the different territories and how... Perhaps if the main perspective was from someone in a different territory, we would feel very differently about mm-hmm. like how things are being built up. So I I think you are correct in that like there's a chance that not all venom are evil. Like obviously there are some that are super power hungry, but like do they need to drain power to keep living? Like why are they continuing to take more and more territory? Is it out of need? Because like once you start, you have to keep draining things to like maintain a lot, like to keep living. Or is it just there's a small group of them who are super power hungry and mm-hmm. are kind of, but then in the barons, maybe there's like happy, lovely venom who are just doing their thing. We've absolutely no idea what's going on in the barons because we've never explored that area. Mm-hmm. It is kind of evil that they have to kill things in order to survive, but I guess so do we. <laughs> when you think yeah. about it, like so do humans. Just it's just done differently, right? Yeah, and maybe uh, there are venom who live in the barrens who have figured out a different way. It, like if like if that is something they need in order to survive, maybe like you said, like with the vampires, how like the colons would feed off of animals instead of people. Like maybe they've discovered a way that they can maintain their lifestyle without impacting other people maybe they have farms (laughs) like seriously we have no idea because they're so 
it's just such a mystery. We still. don't know anything about them. Mm-hmm. So, but I kind of like that. Like we don't know anything about them yet because then it just means that there's still so much more to discover. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it's important to discuss the dreams that Violet has been having. And at first I thought they were just dreams, but then I'm like, these seem more like the venom are dream walking in her mm-hmm. dreams and like mm-hmm. actually interacting with her in the dreams and controlling her dreams. I'm like, this is, yeah. Like, is this a power that the venom has to like, because he even like when they see the venom in person, it's like they refer to these dreams. So I'm like, this if it, it's not a dream, it's like dreamwalking. Mm-hmm. Is my thought on it? <laughs> oh, I completely agree with that, 100. percent Yeah, and then like Zayden apparently is also having these dreams, or are one of them seeing the other stream? Like, is Violet seeing Zayden's dreams, or is Zayden seeing Violet? Like, I don't, because he's like, oh, <laughs> at the end, the venom he was fighting was like i told you in the dream that you would change for me but that's also what the venom said to violet in her dream or that you would change for love sorry and they're so connected so it's hard Mm -hmm. to know if that's her just seeing his dreams or not and not realizing it (sighs) yeah it's hard to know yeah i think the dreams are very interesting Mm-hmm. And or maybe it has to do with like a signet of hers that is manifesting. I don't know. Maybe she can dream. I don't know. I just maybe think the she can see others' dreams. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that would be cool. I mean, I wonder. Oh no, maybe nah, nah. That's probably not. But I'll say it anyway. What if because of their bond, she has a little bit of like intonistic powers where she's like, whoops, I've slipped into your dream. Like, I can see your dream now. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh, that would be cool if like their bond kind of meant that they could like borrow each other's power a little bit. We haven't really seen that, but some I am starting to notice that sometimes things are happening that are just so subtle. You don't notice it until it's brought up even more. And then you mm-hmm. go back and you're like, oh, okay. The like breadcrumbs are very fine in this book. Yeah, they are. But I think we we just have, like you said, so far to go. Because it's going to be like a six book series. So we're just at the kind of very beginning here. Like the first mm-hmm. fourth wing was to kind of introduce us to the world and their relationship. And now we're in the thick of the story, right? Yeah. I'm like just at the beginning of it too. And it feels like there's so much action already being so early on in the story. But that just makes me excited for what's to come. Speaking of Zayden's second signet, he always would tell Violet throughout the story to put his to put her shields up. So he's like, even around me, keep your shields up, keep your shields up, always keep your shields up. And it was implied that it was to help her train to be able to stop Dane from reading her thoughts if he ever got a hold of her. And I think that that is valid and that definitely had something to do with it. But once we found out what his second signet was, I started to wonder if, if perhaps it has more to do with him wanting her to keep his shield up around him so he can't read her intentions mm-hmm. and again going back to like he wants her to have that control i think it could be both mm-hmm. um like you said earlier he's really into consent and maybe he 
like knows she wouldn't necessarily consent to him reading her intentions like gives him mm-hmm. it's a violation right so we kind of mentioned that there's been a few different aspects of this book that people are i don't know if offended's quite the right word but like they're <laughs> not happy with <laughs> they dislike yeah and one of that that one of the things i saw quite often was that people were not happy with the world building and they thought that Iron Flame lacked world building. And I just respectfully disagree. I thought that not only is this only book two of six, so it's like there is so much that we are still going to discover and we can't just like get everything all at once. That would be overwhelming and way less fun. But also like we learned so much about so many different things. Like it was, I personally felt like I learned so much more about the world than, I don't know, maybe I'm just not used to reading fantasy books that have like really epic world building. So maybe in comparison to other books, it feels like it's lacking. But for me, I felt like I learned a lot about the world. Yeah, I think we're being, um, well, yeah, we did because we're no longer in the college, right? In this book. So Mm -hmm. The, hmm, I can kind of see where people are coming from, but at the same time, I didn't even notice really because mm-hmm. the story was pretty fast paced, I felt. So yeah, I think like we did learn definitely a lot more about the different cultures that we had no idea about in Fourth Wing. We learned a lot more about the dragons um and their culture there's just like a lot going on we are starting to learn more about the venom which i is being i think in the next book we're going to learn a lot more about the venom um mm-hmm. yeah no i i think that like i think if there had been a lot of intensive world building in this book this book is already over 600 pages long it would mm-hmm. have been too long and it would have had to have been cut (laughs) and we wouldn't have had necessarily this cliffhanger ending it would have been the cliffhanger ending in maybe the third book if we had all the world that type of world building I think we had enough world building for what the store where the story's at currently Mm -hmm. in my opinion but yeah and I think that also perhaps because we're learning about so many different aspects like so many different cultures like we have the Navarian culture which we learned is very like collective but not collective as in like we work together necessarily like they almost make it sound like collective as in like a bad thing like people can't keep their individual identities like you people are losing their languages and losing their um, cultural customs and stuff like that to fit in and be like one group of Navarian people and it's very like Mm -hmm. united but in a lacking diversity kind of way and then we have the Pormish culture that we also learn about, which is much more like individualistic, but again, not in like, we don't come together individualistic, more in an individualistic as in we respect each individual group's language and culture and traditions, but we still work together. And then we, as you mentioned, we also have the dragon culture. We also have the venom culture. So it's like, that's a lot of different things to learn about. So it's like, we're mm-hmm. getting a little bit of information about each one, but Mm -hmm. when you have so many things to explore, it's hard to, you know, explore it all without, like you said, the book being 
unmanageable to read. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think we had just enough information about each culture to keep the story moving forward at the pace that it was being told at. Um, mm -hmm. I'd, I never felt... So the only time I think I'd really complain about world building is if when you're reading about the the story and you don't have like a good solid sense of your environment around you or how your character should be navigating through it. And like I mm -hmm. say, I think because this is told in like first person, right? We're seeing it through Violet's eyes. I think it might be like we can only get as much world building as Violet is seeing anyways. Yes. Um, and it doesn't, if it was told in a different point of view, I think the world building could be done a little differently. Maybe we'd get more information, but we can't really, because we're restricted to Violet's eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It wouldn't make sense for us to know more about things. Cause that's not where she's at in her story. Like, mm -hmm. No, that's a very good point. I also really like that we are learning about these mysterious isles off the coast, just because I think they are going to play a major part in the story at some point. And they seem just very luxurious and like another really interesting culture that we will eventually get to hear about. Mm -hmm. And I also thought it was interesting how when... They end up going to the palace in Pormiel. I don't remember what the city's name is, but they go to this palace and it's like very, very extravagant. And they make a point of noting that it was built based on aesthetics, not based on like security. Like everything mm -hmm. in Navarre is built to outlast an army. Like they mm -hmm. are like they have a war college, like everything is. Military. It has to do with war. Military. It's built yeah. to last. It's not built to be pretty. But then you go over into poor me, uh, poor meal, sorry, and you get these buildings that are built purely because they're beautiful. And I mm -hmm. feel like that speaks so much to just the different mindsets of these two cultures. And mm -hmm. I think it is supposed to be there to tell the reader something important mm -hmm. about the different cultures. I'm just wondering if maybe Navarre are kind of the bad guys at this point. Do you know what I mean? And and that we don't exactly realize what I was it. Implying. Right. <laughs> yes. We don't realize it because it's sort of like if we were to get somebody who grew up like in Throne of Glass in Morath, right? Mm-hmm. And then yes, they're like no, that is right. And then they're going out and they're like, oh, the world is beautiful <laughs> like what is mm -hmm. this <laughs> no I yeah. am starting to wonder if that is exactly what is happening and not only that I think we get another clue to kind of support that in that these aisles that I keep mentioning they continued to trade with poor meal but not with Navarre they cut mm -hmm. off their trading mm -hmm. so I don't know I'm, I'm wondering if that's where it's headed and I think that these could be little clues that we're getting the perspective of the good people, but the good people in the, in the evil zone. And maybe yes. the Venom aren't the big bad after all. Like yeah. we kind of mentioned earlier that this mm -hmm. could be all turned around at some point. 
And I personally, I don't, I've never read a book like that from that, like where you end up being actually in enemy territory from the beginning. I think yeah. That and that you were actually twice. born in enemy ter- territory and believe that you're on the right side. But mm-hmm. I mean, as the story progresses, it's kind of like they're, they're shifting away from that. Right. Like, yeah, maybe they'll shift completely. And all of a sudden Navarre is going to be the bad guy, which Look at the way, I'm sorry, but look at the way they handle things in the Riders Quadrant, like killing off like people before they can even cross the parapet. Like that's so ridiculous. Yes. And they even point that out. Like the Griffin Riders are like, that's, you know. Yeah. And Violet's like, oh, yeah. Like hmm, you put it that way. You, you know, don't kind kill of everybody? <laughs> like they Wait. don't even get a chance. Like a gust of wind blows you off. Like that that could have been like the best rider in your entire quadrant and that was just mm-hmm. unlucky like it's really stupid right so yeah well if, and if know. like a dragon doesn't pick you you're kind of like that's the end of the road and they're like oh if yeah if you don't get picked by a griffin you just go pick something else to do instead well yeah and like oh we jump off the cliff and then we swim to shore or whatever, and then we what, or we fall off the cliff. What happens when you yeah. fall? Oh, we swim to shore and we go into different career. Violet's like, huh? It's like, yeah, what a novel idea. Maybe this culture is a little more advanced than yours and not so barbaric. <laughs> like, yeah, no, exactly. I think there's so. a lot of things that are because there's in definitely that like little seeds being dropped where Violet's kind of like having her eyes kind of opened that the way that they've been doing things in Navarre are maybe not the best. So yeah, like it might, maybe it's going to be taken like, cause when you look at the, like the Basgayath war college, it's like, it's a dark hardcore place where you're just struggling to fight and survive. And so I really appreciated that palace and like how like she was noticing the glass doors and she was just like stunned by the beauty of them. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with that theory that it turns out like mm-hmm. that's Gaeth and Navarre and there's there's something maybe they're the bad guys, right? I'm going to go with that because I like that theory. <laughs> we'll see yeah. how it actually well, turns out. But. The, the whole fact that they like put up wards and ke- are keeping people out, mm-hmm. like that doesn't seem nice. And they're like, well, we gave people a year to decide to drop everything and move here. It's like, what about the people who can afford to drop everything in within a year? Or like, there's so many reasons that people can't just move to an entirely different part of a continent, especially if you only give them a one year time frame. And mm-hmm. then after that, it's like, sorry, no, you're cut off. You can never be behind our safe bubble. Yeah, you're an enemy now, essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, not only are you cut off, like we are waging war against you. Like, that is just not a healthy mindset. (laughs) To say the least. Yeah. (laughs) To say the least. Yeah. (laughs) So, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I I feel like it's headed in that direction. Navarre is maybe Mm -hmm. the bad guy. I think so, too. I I think that would be cool. Uh, I also really enjoyed the introduction of an entirely new magic system with the ruins. I thought that was yes. really cool to kind of expand on because we don't know a lot about the magic. Like we know that there's the signet power. We know there's lesser magic where they mm-hmm. can like make their quills have ink and stuff like that, closed doors, whatnot. But now there's mm-hmm. like this entirely new kind of 
branch of magic that was considered like the levels, the playing field, because Mm -hmm. of how powerful it is, so much so that they actually banned it, which again, oh, you Mm. don't want people to have magic that can compete with yours? That Mm. sounds evil and like (laughs) you are power hungry and don't want to have to like, you know, prove yourself on an evil playing field. Mm -hmm. Not something these people would do. There's a... There's just a few uh, hints. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. And I also like that the poor meal students seem to be better at the ruins. So it's not like, oh, our side is good at everything. And the other side's like inferior in all these different ways. Like they don't get signets. Their mounts are like lesser than. And it's like then this new magic comes in and they like dominate it. Mm Mm-hmm. I just enjoyed that. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. um, I'm starting to feel more excited about the next book. I was so choked at the way this one ended. Not not like I explained to you earlier, and I want to make it clear. Mm -hmm. I'm not choked like, I don't want to read this story anymore. I'm just like, I'm choked for Violet. (laughs) And for most of all, not even for Violet, for Scale. Sagale. How are you supposed to say her name? I felt like her agony when she was like, I chose you. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. poor scale. Like, seriously. And that's like such a point of pride for the dragons. Because like every time Violet second guesses herself, Taryn's like, I chose you. Stopping a baby. Yeah. Like, remember, like, I you. chose you. Yeah. So I think it's like incredibly insulting to the dragon when their human turns out to be not the person they thought they were or like not as strong as they thought they were. Like, I think that's like a real gut blow for the dragon. And they're just like, oh, like the biggest insult you could give a dragon is like to disappoint them with your Mm -hmm. actions. Yeah. So I just want to know more about why the dragons don't like the venom, (laughs) hate them. Like, I just want to know, I, I want to know yeah. more. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the fact that the dragons are really against the venom, I do kind of mean, I feel as though that is telling us that, like, they maybe are mostly evil. But then again, we don't know a lot about the dragons, and they can be kind of jerks and very unwilling to mm-hmm. try new things perhaps i don't know i mean you look at exactly them wrong that. and they torch you so i mean it, that's yeah. pretty intense you know mm-hmm. but and maybe they also just don't like that they make the wyvern which i could yeah. i would be in, like insulted by that too if like i was a dragon and they're trying to make like a a version of me an evil version of me that they seems can kind of like it seems kind of like an abomination kind of yeah so i wonder if it's more that like that aspect of it but i'm sure we'll find out eventually yeah mm-hmm. so we've mentioned quite a few times that there is a lot of hate for this book <laughs> online i think there is equally as much love for the book but um unfortunately as the world works typically the hate for things rises above <laughs> And is heard a little bit louder. And I think that like we've like touched on quite a few things already, but I think it's easy to forget that there's so much information that we are given that 
you can get like lost in the details. So lots of people are like, oh, there's like plot holes and this and that. It's like, with this amount of information, perhaps you've forgotten things along the way. <laughs> and it might seem like a plot hole. Um, and either one, you have forgotten, or perhaps maybe even um, is a plot hole because we haven't gotten the answer yet. Because mm -hmm. if we got the answer too early, it would like ruin parts of the story. So I think it's just too early. Like the second book in a six book series, it's I feel like it's just too early to yeah. be saying things like that. I, I didn't mind it. I mm -hmm. thought it was a good story. I'm very curious to see how this plays out. And I think, like you said, there's a lot of questions that haven't been answered, not necessarily because they're plot holes, but just because like you uh, can't necessarily answer all of the questions in this book. Like I say, this to me felt very much like a bridge book it was like leading mm -hmm. us from the starting point into the next one it felt very much like a setup book so we'll see if it turns out to be true mm -hmm. you know I 100% agree and I was expecting that going into this one I feel like there's like kind of a formula with long series where you have like books that are more I don't know maybe like action-packed you could say or they just have different feels as you're reading them and some are more like packed with information to get you to the next stage. Like you said, these the bridges. And I was expecting this to be a bridge book, like just setting us up. So I was actually pleasantly surprised with how much action there was in the book because I thought it was going to be a little bit on the dry side because the first one was quite action-packed. I was like, oh, this one's going to be a lot more dry and just leading us into something. So I was like, sweet, we're getting so much more than I thought we would. It felt like there was just something big constantly happening. Mm -hmm. um, I was actually surprised at how much happened in the book. It was a very dense book with info. I thought it was very like, okay, so when people are saying like there was a lack of world building, I just want to say like this book to me seemed like it was an extremely densely information packed book. Um, mm -hmm. I found myself having to reread passages to like really understand the nuance of what was happening in like Navarian politics or whatever. Like I found like myself having to be like, okay, what does that mean again? And rereading it. Not, I don't often do that when I'm reading. So um, I think also though, there is a lot of anger towards the author regarding some things she said which I actually haven't had time to look up um, mm -hmm. and so people are sort of putting the story aside to sort of take aim at her so um <laughs> so I yeah, can't really I, comment on that I haven't haven't mm -hmm. looked it up yeah I I looked it up and I personally like to keep like politics out of my reading and I'm like part of me wonders and I don't like I don't know if this is what people are doing but part of me wonders if people disagree with the statement she's saying if that is impacting their perception of the book if they're finding reasons to dislike it because like maybe they ordered it before and then some mm. statements came out and they're like oh I, I don't like her politics so now I'm going into this not liking her, and therefore I'm going to find reasons to hate this book. Mm, could be. But I, don't I know. mean, sometimes, you know, 
whether it be a writer or an artist, if you really disagree with the way that they their their worldviews, it can stain your experience whilst enjoying or not enjoying the art or the story. So I mm-hmm. think it's like a fair judgment to make. It's just unfortunate. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just wonder if people would have different opinions about the book if the politics never came into it, I guess. Maybe. But I mean, maybe we... these people are already disliking how the book was and that only fanned the flames, so to yeah. speak. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I mean, ultimately, uh, whether or not you enjoy the book or not, it's a personal opinion and you are welcome to whichever opinion yeah. You like, and if you didn't enjoy it, then yeah, don't read it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't encourage people to do things that don't bring them joy. So if you <laughs> found this one terrible and you didn't finish it or whatever, then by all oh, means, I think I feel a book has it. to be pretty, pretty unenjoyable to DNF. But yeah, if if you DNF'd it, then move on because it ain't for you. Yeah, and that is totally okay. But that I is totally really valid. It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I think that was kind of it for today. I feel like we discussed all of our thoughts we kind of had <laughs> regarding mm-hmm. this book. Um, so thank you so much for joining us and we hope to see you next time. Bye bye for now and we'll see you again. <laughs> <laughs>